Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage drawn from the revised common lectionary. We hope it'll be enjoyable and edifying for all, but especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are preparing lessons or sermons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm discipleship pastor for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is DJ Freemeyer. DJ's no stranger to the show. He's on uh, quite often because he's a dear friend and a, a great scholar of the scriptures and especially an expert in Hebrew Bible and its poetry. So it's so great to have him on today to discuss our text, which is Psalm 119, verses 137 through 144. So one selection, one eight-verse selection out of that monster Psalm 119, that big, largest psalm, largest chapter in the Bible. So we'll be looking at 137 through 144, section titled Zade, if you're turning in your Bibles there even now. Uh, So yeah, so so great to have uh, DJ on. You might want to check out his podcast that comes out it's a uh, more on a monthly routine. It's called 700 seconds in a Psalm. So those are all Psalm focused episodes. Uh, you might want to check that out. It's a really great show and check him out even on his own website, djbiblecoaching.com. He does some really great Bible coaching for pastors and teachers who are leading out there in the real world and want to explore uh, scripture passages more deeply. Uh, he can help with that as well. So check him out at djbiblecoaching.com. Thanks uh, for listening. Uh, and as you're enjoying the show today, if you find yourself wanting to you know, let others know about it, all you got to do is press the share button on your podcast player app of choice, and you can pass it along to others uh, through a private message or social media or whatnot. Uh, so definitely give that a try today. That's the best way to get the word out about the show is word of mouth that way. And if you'd like to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see ways that you can support the show. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this conversation about Psalm 119 with DJ Freemeyer. Yeah, so we're looking at uh, Psalm 119, verses 137 through 144, which is the section Tzadeh, if I'm... Is that the, how to say it? Sade yeah. like that? Okay. Kind of a TS or TZ sound. Yeah. Would you be willing to read the passage to get us started? And then we'll do some observing. The 119th Psalm, beginning in the Sade section. Correct are you, my Lord, and upright are your decrees. Commissioned by you is the righteousness of your testimonies and exceeding faithfulness. Consuming me is my passion, since the ones forgetting your words are my oppressors. Cleansing exceedingly (laughs) is your speech, and your servant loves it. Cursory am I and contemptible, but your precepts I did not forget. Correct forever is your correctness. And your instruction is truth. Combat and stress found me. Your commandments are my delights. Correct are your testimonies forever. Make me understand, and I will live. 
the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Let's say a prayer. Father, I guess we've already said a prayer. These are words spoken to you, and so we uh, embrace them and make them ours as well. Uh, so, Lord, teach us the way of your commandments. Lead us in the way of your precepts and judgments, your correctness, your righteousness. Find in our hearts uh, a way to take delight in your righteousness, in your correctness, stir in us that same kind of zeal that we find in like the same kind of passion for your justice that is woven into this entire psalm, especially this section. And so, Father, uh, we ask that you do these things for DJ and I and for all those listening in, that these words would draw us nearer to you and lead us on the right path. We ask this all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So what do you notice here? What what stands out to you? Where, where do you want to start? We can start anywhere you like. <laughs> well, I mean, I think like the structure of the 119th Psalm is a great place to start. Yeah, we right? totally should. It's beautiful. That's um, our only selection from 119 in the, in the lectionary this year, oh. or at least so, I mean, it's part of why I wanted to have you on. Is like, if you want, we can just talk about the whole song. But I mean, we, I mean you're not absolutely read, read the whole thing. But yeah, so this is one of the songs in the Tanakh that is an acrostic. So each letter of the alphabet represented in this particular psalm eight times. You yeah. get eight repetitions of the acrostic letter with five main words in each and that becomes the structure of this poem this prayer and so it's a beautiful structure it's a beautiful poem that moves through each of them until the very last verse when you get a few extra a postlude if you will that i will not forget your instructions and that's repeated four times throughout the 119th song. oh wow so this is one of those this is one of those Repetitions. Four, you yes. said. Which is this in that sequence? So this is the third out of the say, four. Okay. And they come structurally dividing up the 119th Psalm. Oh, wow. Where's the last one? I'm... The last one's at the very end. Yeah. Verse. Yeah, your commandments I didn't forget. Yeah, yeah. very last line. The 176th verse, or if you're counting words after the 880th word. 888. 880. 880 words divided by, so, oh my heavens. Okay, so divided by 22. 22 letters, five words each, eight lines. Each line is exactly five words. I did not know that part. I knew about the, I knew about the 22, the 176, the eight lines. I did not catch that they're five, so it's that precise. It is that precise. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so hence 880. Okay, yeah. It, was this used not only to celebrate the law, but also to like teach the alphabet? I mean, would it have been like a, I don't know, I'm just being curious now. But So it is actually used to teach the alphabet. Because okay. it really does reinforce it. I mean, I think of like when my son was in preschool, they would have, you know, a letter each week. And they would have songs and characters that go with the letter and the sound of it. Yeah. So. This is very catechetical in reinforcing the language, the beauty of the language, and also the connection between 
the letters and the words that God proclaims, the instructions and commands. So there's an interconnectionness there, interconnectedness, where like a child, you receive instructions in how to read and write. Mm-hmm. The psalmist is like a child receiving instructions from the Torah in how to live and pray. Yeah. Now you had said just back to the I, the point is more important than the form, but let me still let me just camp on the form for a second. You had said that the the last couple lines sometimes deviate from the five pattern, it, or yeah. Like, so it adds the hundred seventy six verse adds in three words at the end uh, because it's adding that kind of refresh. Sorry, five words at the end, so it adds gotcha. an additional five and. Although it's in our case, refrain. it doesn't, right? I think in our case, it's just it's still just five letters or just five words, right? 144? Right, but the yeah, 176, the very final gotcha. one has five more. Okay. To say, don't forget what. Right. Let us not forget. Let me not forget what has just come. So on that form, just real briefly, when in terms of like the beats and the rhythm of it, when you have these like these hyphenated words, those would count as one Correct. word, right? Because I, I know it's pronunciation, that, right? One right. word. Yeah. So it would have the rhythm of, even though there's a few, occasionally in the Hebrew, there's more, but it's almost always a dashed one. Like I was just looking at 153, for instance, mm-hmm. but it has to do with the, the rhythm of the language, which is how poetry works. You can't right. just, can't just count words. Can't just count syllables. It's, you know, it's the rhythm of the, yeah. the chanting it or the mm-hmm. communication of it. And this has a consistent beat. Wow, that's And great. I think it's rather significant that each letter is given 40 words. Mm. If you think of the significance of the number 40, <laughs> right? Oh, so you've got a number of different passages that are connected with this time of cleansing, this time of purification, this time of, of testing and examining or developing a habit. And that's what this psalm produces within you with these 40 words to cleanse through the instructions. It actually enacts the commandments of God that cleanse us, that help us to see and examine and develop habits that we take forward with us into the future. Yeah, so I'm thinking of various 40 days that are selected, some 40 years in the wilderness. Mm Mm-hmm. Any other 40s that you want to highlight? The 40 days in in the uh, nights of rain in Noah to cleanse the earth. The 40 days in the wilderness with Jesus Mm -hmm. as he develops a habit, a pure habit of resisting temptations that will carry into the rest of his life. There are all sorts of, of examples of that. Oh, man. Just the adding that five layer is so huge. Because, you know, in English, you can see the eight because of the way that it's been put into verses. Yeah. Um, but the five is, you know, seldom, if ever, you know, and it's almost impossible to get the five into English. Right. Because you know? the English words you might use like four or five just to For do one, one word. word. <laughs> right. Because these complex verbs that have, have their, uh, their, the agent of the verb, often the object of the verb. <laughs> and even a all stuck into one spatial dimension right all stuck in one yeah so yeah well i mean 
Now this isn't a verb. This is a noun, but it's, it seems like I didn't count them up yet, but it's uh one, I'll do it right now. How many times the word that they choose to start each line is a variant of Zedek, this, yes. this word for righteousness or correctness, right? Or correct if it's an adjective. Correct. So that'd be, yeah, right. So that'd be what? The first first line and second then line starts with, uh, yeah, it's in the, it's the second word in the second line, right? Even mm-hmm. though it starts with a different word that starts with Zade. Yeah, and then just keep showing up again. Then in 141. Mm hmm. That's a different word, I guess, but then the word uh, appears later in the... 142, 142. has it twice, both yeah, in verbal form and noun form. Right, so executed correctly are your, is your is correctness? Your is that, yes. Yeah, okay. Correcting. Is correcting forever is your correctness. Okay, yeah. okay. And then um, at the end, the last line. Yep, one more at the end. Yeah, so I mean... So that would be five. Yeah, yeah, oh, ah, there you go, there's five, right? And five is the number or frequently a number connected with strength or ability. So I took it as obvious, but I correct me if I'm wrong, but okay. We're getting to Zade. It's of course, this is going to be the word that goes with Zade, but maybe that's me just assuming things, you know, but does that seem kind of fitting that that would be the, the kind of motif, the theme when we get to this letter, because it's so closely associated with God's law and instruction. Yeah. So some letters are like in every language, some letters are more difficult to have that variety of words. And in some letters, yeah, like the Vav cheat where it just, he just says, and, (laughs) and, 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 and and for eight times, it's like, it's kind of, (laughs) but, but it's on the mind as well, because even in that one, the Vav reappears Mm -hmm. and here the Tzade reappears even at the end of lines in the middle because it's on the mind. And so this is a natural word that would be connected with this letter and many believe would be the word that children would learn in connection with the letter, right? So if you think of for English, A for apple, Mm -hmm. this is that word for this letter. Okay. Because it's not, I'm just thinking through like an old lexicon, the Zade section is a little shorter, right? It's not as, it's not a, it's more common at the end or middle of a word than at the beginning, right? Right. Eretz, you know, it's at end or whatever. So Zion, even though it's usually a Z because of just translation traditions, is actually this. Yes. Is it this one as well? It is. So it'd be more of a Zion. Yes. So that could have been another one, but that that would fit less this because this is more of a celebration of the law than of the the monarch. Than of the worship. Yeah. Zion is a a worship word. So it's connected with worship. And this so more of a more, place, and there's a, le- a lot less yes. place here. This is lived the every day. This is more about everyday this life, is, right? This is not about the place as about the wisdom and the instruction that's available okay. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And so it would have been, I'm sure, particularly popular. Not that, I don't know how old the actual psalm in its earliest form is, but I could see it being really popular once you're in exile or diaspora Right. And when, Absolutely. because then also learning the language becomes harder because it's not, you're not hearing it on the street. And many would, many connect this psalm with 
the time period of the exile okay. in order to offer not only training in the alphabet and the language, which could be lost, mm-hmm. but to provide training in the Torah, which becomes a major emphasis in the exile period. Right. If you have the old triplet of Torah, land, and temple, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, if you're away from the land, the temple's been destroyed, or even if it's rebuilt, it's far away from you now. So is right? the territory. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden the Torah becomes a lot more central. It becomes the last one that you can really hold on to. Even in like Jesus' time, even though he's in Palestine, being in Galilee, a little bit more removed from Judah and temple and all that, was that part of the popularity of like the Pharisees? Because they were a lot more Torah-centric in their teaching and way of life. Yes, definitely. And the Pharisees had a, a significant presence in Galilee at the time. And amongst many synagogues, including as far as and spread Tarsus, all over, right? right? Because their teaching, because it was more centered on Torah than temple, right? It know. could be easily used in synagogue worship. Yeah. Whereas the Sadducees kind of focus on temple, kind of made them dominant until the destruction in seventy, and then their things hard to transfer to yes. Tarsus or Babylon or yeah. <laughs> Alexandria, Rome, or what whatnot. Okay. Yeah, I could just totally imagine, like you know. Pharisees using, you know, Psalm 119 as just like a perfect teaching tool with little kids, you know, absolutely in, in, in Hebrew school before you go off to either your regular school or off to work or whatnot. Okay. Oh, so man. you can hear children's songs and it can be beneficial to connect children's songs because the children are all singing the song together about the instructions of the Lord and the whole choir is celebrating how God purifies through God's words. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's take a quick break and then dig in a little bit more into these particular eight verses. Is that cool? Sounds great. And we're back. Welcome back to fresh text. We're looking at Psalm 119 uh, verses one, uh, 37 through 144, the Zade section of Psalm 119. I'm here with my guest, uh, DJ Frumeyer. And uh, just to kind of get it back in our ears and throw a different translation in the mix, I'll, I've been using Robert Alter here this year for the Psalms because it's just so lovely. Although he makes some curious choices here. So I'll pop this on and we'll use that to jump off and, and look at this passage a little bit more. So here we go. Just are you, O Lord, and upright are your laws. You ordained your just precepts, and they are most trustworthy. My zeal devastated me, for my foes forgot your words. Your utterance is most pure, and your servant has loved it. Puny am I and despised, yet your decrees I have not forgotten. Your righteousness forever is right. Your teaching is truth. Straits and distress have found me. Your commands are my delight. Right are your precepts forever. Grant me insight that I may live. The word of the Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I just want to pause right now and say, like, I, I do find it a little strange to for him to switch. Like, he starts with just and justice and then switch to right and righteousness. I mean, there are some times when that's a totally fine. It helps you understand a passage. But it seems like, I, especially from Alter, I'm used to him trying to match the form of the original as much as he can into the English. So right. I was a little disappointed that he <clears throat> kind of jumped around there, but alas. <laughs> I assume you'd, I mean, I think you went with correct. I did. Time. What was your thinking there? So one of the things that I appreciate in a translation is capturing some of the beauty of the Psalm. And so the repetition of the sound. Yeah. So I started each line with a C, a K sound, and brought in the correctness and correction. I think this this word fits the psalm throughout mm-hmm. because you have the sense in which as you're learning like a child, you need some correction. You, you There are areas that aren't going to be right that need to be corrected. There's this emphasis on being correct, but also knowing where to go to find what is correct. Mm-hmm. And I think the psalm does this beautifully with allowing the Lord to be that one who brings the correction, determines what is correct, and then corrects when you need, <laughs> when you desperately need to know what is wrong and how to deal with it. So I think there's an essence of the Lord as this teacher. Yeah. Which Torah means instruction, right? It's right. about teaching as much as law as a kind of narrowly kind of legal conception that we might have now. Right. We might think of teaching as somehow beyond or alongside of law. Just the word law doesn't necessarily capture exactly what the word Torah you know, yeah, it might, it can. It if we, it, but we have to take some time to think it through what we right. mean by law, right? right? There is a sense in which those who study law get this. Right. Yeah. Cause <laughs> it's just, the, okay. Yeah. 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 Where the instruction or the instructive nature of laws is the purpose. Like mm-hmm. that is the point is to teach and to set forth precepts or examples to follow. So, it, and the way that precedent works. Precedent. Right. Yeah. So it's much more a living thing. Right. For those who study law but in a For those sense. outside that field, it can be it can feel very legalistic in the sense of do, do not, and then it erases the instructing of the principles. Right, because we tend to think of like just to use a, a mundane example, I mean a speed limit is not, I mean, for a lot of us, the speed limit is only sort of on the mind, as it were, conscious when it's broken, <laughs> right? And one gets in trouble, right? And so we think of the law in the exclusively in the kind of correcting sense, rather um, than in instructing the, instructing us. Of hey, this what is, is a, this a is a good speed, speed to go. <laughs> yeah, and the safe speed around this turn would be this. Mm-hmm. So you might want to consider that as you're taking this turn. And in fact, that is how we're actually interacting with the law. It's just not, it doesn't, it's not as conscious for a lot of us most of the time, because once it becomes habitual, you know what I mean? The, yes. It, you become aware of the law when you break it as it were, right? <laughs> <laughs> it becomes only functioning as a barrier. Mm. That is one of its functions, but there are more functions yeah. that are, are beautiful as well. And I think having an awareness of those other functions can be even helpful for 
getting our heads around or our hearts in to Psalm 119 that is just so in love with the law in a way that can feel foreign to a lot of, especially even, and even more so sometimes for some Christian preaching and teaching that kind of engages in certain kinds of, you know, anti-law rhetoric, sadly, mistaking, I think, what Paul's really up to, for instance, you know, (laughs) even in Galatians, Paul is going to say the law is a pedagogue. Yeah. Is a a teacher. teacher. Right. So there is a sense in which a love for the teacher and what the teacher is setting forth enables one to build upon it in the future and live into it in the future. So think of that teacher. Hopefully each of us have had a teacher who has been that source of inspiration that we just love that teacher. Mm -hmm. That's what the psalmist is expressing to the Lord for providing the Torah. Yeah. And so Jesus, though in conflict with, you know, many, you know, Pharisees and teachers of the law was himself a teacher of the law. He was offering absolutely a really good teacher. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) A really good pedagogue. Yeah. Who lived it and got it and could speak from the heart of it. And could train students and children in it as well. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So just back to form for a moment, you you went with a C because you had correct for Zedek. And then I think you had commanded in 138. Uh, I, I went with commissioned. Commissioned. Okay. Because the word is more about appointing than it is about like a soldier's commands. Commands can be a form of appointing, right? right? I command you to take this post. Gotcha. You appointed that person for that post. But here, it's not necessarily commanding righteousness of testimonies. Like that, that seems odd. Yeah. To command righteousness or to command a testimony. You're right. <laughs> but you can appoint it to serve a purpose in a particular place to benefit that area. That's more the feel of the word. Okay. So then in 139, did you have another C word there? I didn't even catch the C move you were making because I was noticing other word choices. Yeah. In 139, I went with uh, consuming. Okay. Although yeah. I debated going with circumventing. <laughs> okay. Um, because there's a sense in which the passion is cutting the psalmist off from the oppressors who don't have that passion. Okay. Okay. So cutting or circumventing or consuming me, but not them draws this barrier, this distinction between the two. And if only the oppressors would come to love, have that same Same zeal, same passion, they might join the psalmist. This is what the gospel writers are saying with the zeal that consumes Jesus at the temple, quoting the Psalms to say, this passion is one that is hopefully inviting the opponents to join in that passion. But sadly, in that instance, Hmm. they don't. They decide to oppress even more. And the psalmist is feeling something similar. Yeah. So is it the same verb there in 69 when he says, I'm checking it real quick. So 69 is, yeah, zeal, for zeal for your house has consumed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. So I went with consuming to match yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So apparently that verb and that noun, the zeal or passion, goes with this other word to be sort of 
constrained or cut off or consumed. Yeah, because yeah. when you become very passionate about something, you give yourself exclusively to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? It consumes your thoughts and your mind and your, your actions. And anyone who doesn't have that passion tends to view it as rather strange. Right. And viewed from the outside, it often, yeah, it feels like a, a sort of, I guess zeal can have, you could say, an explosive force and an implosive kind of force, right? And this is the more implosive side of it, right? It's constricting my attention, consuming me in terms of my focus. Yeah. But Although, then exploding where people now are pushing back. Right. The oppressors, the constrainers, um, afflictors are pushing back against the psalmist to say, we don't share this and mm -hmm. um, you're too far out there. You're calling for too much based upon this and you're, tr you're upsetting everything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like they did to Again, Jesus. Jesus in the temple <laughs> fits very well here, uh, even though this is 69 is the one that's quoted in the gospel it resonates also with this because it's such a similar phrase and for the same reasons it's the yeah, love of same the law. reasons yeah, jesus had this correction. great love for the law that not a jot or tittle did he want to depart and what was happening in the temple there was precisely a an affront to that life that life of righteousness and correctness what'd you do for the I, I just want to hear your word choice for the opening line of all the verses, if you're willing. What was sure. 140? Uh, uh, so I went with cleansing. Okay. Uh, the word is like a crucible, the heating of metal, mm. where the speech is turning up the heat in order to purify what is being, what it encounters, what the speech encounters. So. It's a rufa. So the, <laughs> yes, it's a beautiful, beautiful word, but it, ha it packs a lot of heat because this is frequently used with fires that consume, that purify. And then to love that purification, that takes a lot of passion. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it does fall really well on the previous line. It does. Right. Because just therefore <clears throat> your servant loves it. Just love. And how. the word here for love is ahava, which is to want to be with, to want to dwell okay. with. You want to dwell with that fire? Yes, I do, because it purifies me. And the psalmist recognizes it. Where others, like in Exodus, the fires on the mountain, the people back off. They, yeah. they don't want the purification in, in that story at Sinai, where the people are backing away and saying, Moses, you talk to us. Don't let the speech from the Lord come to us because we're not pure and we don't want that purification. Here, the psalmist is leaning into, I want it. I want the fire. I want the purification that your speech offers, which is what the disciples did with Jesus. They said, to whom else are we going to go? Like, keep mm -hmm. bringing the heat. <laughs> keep bringing the words. Nice. Because we want to be purified. Just as a quick aside, how'd you get the adjective into the line there in verse 140? Just can you just read read for me how you did one forty? Uh, cleansing exceedingly. Is okay. that the nice? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I went with exceedingly or exceeding because there is a sense in which uh, that also just works as a second <laughs> as a second uh, second word in the sentence. Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to figure out how to put the very in there. sound as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but there's a sense in which the the law is excessive. 
it is very generous. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of speech. It is excessive, but it's exceeding your expectations, exceeding the faithfulness you would expect. So there is a sense in which the law calls for that. So how about Zaire in 141? Uh, Small or puny is what? (laughs) I went with cursory or nice or curt because it's not just little. It's not just little in terms of like stature, though that can be one of its meanings. It can be little in terms of time. Okay. I'm only here for I'm only here for a little bit. It shows up in the Psalms all the time. Right. Okay. All the time. (laughs) It it's present for a short time. But that links with the forever significance. The next next sentence. I am contrast that. Insignificant. And in my time. People are treating me with contempt. They're despising me. Like, I recognize this, but I cannot forget. I did not forget your precepts. And that connects the psalmist with something that is much more long lasting, much larger than the psalmist self. Big Hmm. are the precepts, right? They last forever. The word of the Lord endures forever. So the psalmist is connecting the psalmist self, though the psalmist may be small and little, yeah, with something much bigger. Yeah, so your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, right? Or is righteousness everlasting? Or your correctness, as you put yes, it. Yes, correctness. So now we're back to correctness in 142 as the opening line. And then what would you do with 143? Sorry, I'm just loving this. The, the Tsar or Tsar? Correct forever. Oh, uh, combat. Ah, yeah. This is a great translation. I'm loving it. Because combat and what? What did you do for the combo there, right? Yeah. So I did I did combat and consideration or okay. or stress. Like there's yeah. a sense in which there's this pressure that is applied, this contempt, but also this in the previous verse, but also or two verses. Yeah, there's this contempt but also this pressure that has found the psalmist, this combat and trouble and adversary is encountering the psalmist. And throughout the 119th Psalm, there is this question of how do I engage your instructions with all of these difficult things happening around me? Yeah. And the Psalm's going to move through many difficult situations here with oppressors but many difficult situations, what do I do with your instructions in that moment? Yeah, those are really the setting. If we were talking about the place of like a Zion Psalm is the place is oriented around this mountain and worship. This is the kind of the social location of this is these various forms of opposition and stress and resistance that are external to me. Even though the focus is on this celebration of the law, the, the kind of context in which that's set is the fact that in fact your instruction is not what guides so much of what's around me right (laughs) right and frequently acrostics are used to bring structure to grieving or terrible situations Ah. how do i understand how do i how do i get a grip on what i'm facing Right, Lamentations does this with an acrostic. Right, the emotion's too big. I need some structure imposed upon my grieving and my lamenting. Here, the psalmist is experiencing so much opposition and difficulties that the psalmist is like, "I need some structure 
I need to structure this and organize it in order to have words cosmos, to understand it. Cosmos containing the chaos as it yes. were, right? <laughs> How do I deal with the chaos? Well, I need some sort of cosmic view. I need some structure. Yeah. That's and that's so what the psalm does. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's tempting. Sometimes 119, because of its focus on that cosmos, that structure, that correctness. If you're new to this psalm, I mean, I, I remember when I was first starting to practice praying the psalms and making the Psalter my own prayer book, having a hard time with 119 for a season because it did feel so foreign. That became kind of the joy is like, okay, the, these are these are not actually expressive of my natural feelings. And apparently I'm being taught by them, right? <laughs> How to feel and think about the world. But just wanting to acknowledge that it can feel like just this imposition of correctness kind of in the abstract, hmm. but kind of recognizing the more you notice the stress that's sort of surrounding the psalmist in 119, the more this isn't a kind of just escape into how great the law is. It's a, boy, this is, this is my anchor. This is my structure. This is my fortress. Yeah. You this know. is what's reliable in a sea of everything shifting. Yeah. I'm going to turn back to this. Which fits diaspora Judaism as well, right? I mean, not to, totally not to camp on that situation in life too heavily, but you really feel it. It is later in the Psalter. And so there's, I guess, external evidence too, that it would fit that. Yeah. Era, as the right? flow of the books yeah. move towards exile and post-exile return, this is definitely flowing in that direction. Oh, that's just so helpful. Yeah. Well, that's really great. Well, thanks for walking verse for verse. Let, let's take a quick break and come back and explore some sermon starters. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, uh, DJ Freemeyer, and we're looking at Psalm 119, of course, as a whole, but specifically focused on 137 through 144 as a selection from the great 119 Psalm. Yeah, so let's explore some sermon starters. How might we preach, teach, pray, live this psalm? You know, I mean, obviously we've been suggesting things all along the way, but what advice might you have for someone who might be turning around and and uh, guiding others into the experience of this psalm? What what might you suggest? Yeah, so I definitely would suggest if you're guiding into the psalm, taking more of a teacher component or a teacher perspective to it mm. rather than a preaching yeah. necessarily might be a good way to embody the psalm of teaching okay now what i want to make sure is that you don't forget this so you can actually structure the sermon or service in such a way where it emphasizes it multiple times so that we don't forget because we so easily do forget yeah so to be a reminder I think is a beautiful way to start it as well as to remind everyone that we're all children. <laughs> like the greatest in the kingdom is a child. So let's mm. approach these together as a child with this desire to learn, this desire to grow, this passion. And you can ask, are you passionate about learning the instructions? Like, is that your delight? If not, why not? And let's explore what happens when you don't, because that's what the psalmist does. I have this desire in me, the psalmist says, but they don't. And look what's happening. It's not going well for them. 
So bringing out the contrast of those who have God's instructions and those who don't can be a beautiful turn in the sermon or service. Yeah, I personally found that of all the things we talked about today, other than just the formal beauty of it, which how much a congregation can bear commentary along those lines is a judgment call for (laughs) each teacher and leader to make. But other than that, the thing that was the most helpful was just really noticing how, how integral to the Psalm 119 is the opposition mm-hmm. element, right? I mean, it shows right. up in explicitly in 139. Whatever you're facing. Implied in 141, right? And explicit in 143. Right. And it's throughout the whole Psalm. Exactly. There are so many. <laughs> so whatever you're facing, you can emphasize in that midst of whatever whirlwind, whatever stress, whatever opposition, there's an anchor. There's a foundation that you can go back to. There's a refuge in God's words that you can turn back to in those times of of difficulties. Yeah. So, I mean, not to turn every sermon into three points. So, this isn't necessarily three points. I just wanted to focus on that for a moment because of the three times there's a reference to some kind of opposition, right? Right. 139 is you know, foes or what, what did you have? Oppressors or opposition? I'm trying to remember how. Yeah. Those that afflict and oppress, press you down. And then in 141, you know, the cursory am I and despised or looked down upon. How how did you treat it with contempt? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not, I mean, it could be the same opposition. Contempt's a little different than. Right. You don't have to push someone down to despise them. Yeah. You can be, I despise you, therefore I don't associate with you. Right. Where an oppressor and someone who's pressing you down is associating with you constantly. So pressing down, looking down, now I'm getting playful, but and then 143, the combat and stress. Getting down. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Pressing down, looking down, and just getting down. Because that could even... 143 could be described as an internal state of the soul, as it were. Right? Absolutely. I mean, there can be combat, trouble, stirring yeah. within you, stress that is inside of your mind and your heart and your emotions, all of that, your relationships that could be stirring inside. Yeah. I just, I can't help but thinking about, I mean, we probably haven't talked about this on the show in years, but there's an old, uh, it's old now it's new to maybe to some people, but still, but I learned it back in seminary, uh, a little thing called the four pages of the preacher. You heard of this, where you Mm. look for the problem in the text and then the problem in our world. Mm -hmm. And then what's the grace in the text and the grace in our world. Mm -hmm. And then an intro and a conclusion. And you kind of have a sermon, right? And you kind of just always look for the problem a little bit. Because if a sermon doesn't start with a little bit of a, you know, an oops or an ug or a, eek, you know, <laughs> it doesn't capture you. That's what captures you, you know, right. often is the sense of where the problem is. And so you can get three stuck problems. There. Yeah. There's a sort of a threefold way of describing the problem, right? So there's right. those who are afflicting you and then, you know, okay, even if you're not being directly afflicted, you still can feel excluded, looked down upon. And even if everything seems to be good on the outside, you can still be full of storm and stress within. Right. Right. So what do you do with that problem? And then all of a sudden the law, and what's 
whether I would comment on this or not in a sermon, just it would be fun, you know, from time to time for Christian preachers to remember that like the law is grace. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so tempting sometimes because of a, a certain misappropriation of Paul. I don't think it's actually Paul. You know, you, I know you agree in that regard, but a Pharisee who knew this. Yes. By heart. Yes. Right. But a, a misappropriation of Paul is sometimes Christian preaching. The problem in the text is the law. And we got to get saved from the law, you know, whereas in this in this text on its own terms, it's quite clear that the problem is that the law is the grace. It's the gift. It's the hope. It's the promise. Yeah. The words of God are your lifeline. Yeah. <laughs> they are what bring you, what keep you centered, what anchor you and what enable you to respond well, both to what's in and without. And even if at first it's a, okay, this may be challenging and correcting me, but it is my source of life. But then then the text goes even further because it makes God's instruction the object of my passion and of my delight in 143, right? Right. To actually move even deeper into that. I mean, my wife always likes to say like, make sure you spend as much time on the solution as you do the problem, you know, like in a sermon, (laughs) right? So I want to almost say, what are, you know, what are the three levels of relationship to the instruction here might not be as clever as our first triplet, but well, what lifts you up? There the we passion, go. That'd be the imagery. Right? Yeah. So you've Since got we had down, down, down. What would be the up, up, up? The up, up, oh, up. Beautiful, beautiful. Let, let's walk through it. Let's see it. Okay. So <laughs> you look for it. <laughs> you've got the the correctness or the righteousness, the testimonies that are lifting you up mm-hmm. and enabling you to see the oppressors coming, if you will. And gives you the high ground for which to respond to them, inviting them into the testimonies. So the testimonies lift you up. And then you have, if you move to not forgetting the precepts, mm-hmm. not forgetting the cleansing there, you've got what draws you up, mm-hmm. not just lifts you up, but what moves your focus up. Yeah, looking up. Looking as up. It were. There we yeah. go. Rather than looking down, they're looking Feeling down. Looked down upon us, but I'm looking up. I'm looking up. Mm-hmm. That's good. To remember, to not forget, but <clears throat> to remember what you've decreed, your instruction, but also your election, right? Doesn't the right. decree imply a little of that? It does. Choosing? You Is that chose correct? this. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. chose this to be the path. Yeah. Where you give instructions to a group of people and they pass it on to those who may or may not accept it right away. Lift it up. Look up. This is good. All right. Where's our third up? (laughs) So your righteousness forever is right. Your teaching is true. In storm and stress. What can enable you to get back up? Yeah. So there are things that get you down and these can get you back up. Yeah. Get up. (laughs) Get up and let your delight be. I think it's linked to delight. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the key. There is this. Okay. I've been... I've allowed this to get me down, but if I will remember this is where my delight lies, I'll get back up Mm -hmm. and move forward again. I'll get back up and speak again. I'll testify again. I'll share about your words again. I'll sing this psalm again. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's actually a halfway decent sermon (laughs) outline, you know, like, again, not three points in a poem. Exactly. Although it is poem, but it's more a three-layered unfolding of the problem and then a a three-layered unfolding of the 
the grace, the gift, mm-hmm. the instruction. And then, I mean, the poem to end with, man, I mean, these, even in translation, especially because it's in an eight, which naturally can divide up, you know, divide by four, which is a very natural way to do most contemporary worship singing is in four, four. Right. And, and naturally, and also divides into, and, and, and songs are often in a verse is going to often be four lines or eight lines. Boy, I mean, if you can plan ahead enough and get a worship team that you're working with to set this to music, yeah. and they wouldn't have to be drawing directly from the Hebrew. They could just compare multiple translations and be faithful to a right number. style exactly. for the yep. And it wouldn't have to just be one translation. They could kind of, you know, compose or, or arrange the words in a way that, that, that matches, you know, a, a few different translations. And then Since, gets the beat of the exactly. four, four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you could really, and there's something. If you don't sing it, it's kind of a bummer. Like, I kind of feel like if you're <laughs> you got to have some any sort song, of song, especially this one. Yeah, you got to have some sort of song that captures that, like reminds you of your childhood, if you will, that gets you into it, engaged in it, gets your passion stirred, your delight, mm-hmm. your beauty, and then, like the eight, leads you into a new life uh, as the eight begins a new week. That's mm-hmm. when you would be recreated. It's when your identity would be marked by circumcision. The eight eight ushers you in to a new way of living, just like these words should do if done well. Yeah. You know, it's just occurred to me that I wonder if a lot of those comments about the form actually could be really great at the end of the sermon. You know what I mean? Right. You and I started there because I mean, it's the first thing you notice when you're kind of analyzing in text, but for most hearers, like speaking to the so the storm and stress of our life is often where we need to start, you know, to draw in. But then after it's very uplifting to use that up language mm-hmm. to kind of just celebrate the beauty of these words, which are in turn directed towards the beauty of the instruction of God and the beauty of a life lived in accordance with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Eight. Yeah. Eighth day stuff. That could be really cool. You could bring that in at the end and provide. Recircumcise your heart. (laughs) Yes. There needs to be a circumcision of heart and mind to enter into this new identity that's marked by God's instructions to live that out. That's where the the psalm, this section of the psalm ends with Sade is I will live. Mm -hmm. I will get up. I will live into this vision that you've set forth in your instructions. Right. Grant me insight that I may live, not right. that I may know it, you know, as information. I want to live, live according to it. Yeah. That's so good. Well, I'm very inspired. I had a, this is a lovely hour talking about Psalm 119 with you today. It's a beautiful Psalm. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, thanks to Todd Narek for your production work. Can't imagine doing the show without you. Thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music and, uh, Thanks to all our listeners, but especially our supporters. Uh, if you'd like to become one of our patron saints, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see ways you can support the show there. I got a day job. I don't see a percent of that. That goes for the production team who work behind the scenes. We do it as a labor of love and ministry, but a little, little compensation doesn't hurt. So uh, if you'd like to check that out, we'd appreciate it. With that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>